We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door. Tom Schumacher, and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and the Biggie, where we invite you to awaken to your inner divinity. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy, and our focus today is on the human aura. That's right, the human aura. Now, those of you who have been with us for a while know that we've talked about this before. But it's really such a big subject that we felt it was time to come back to it again. Sort of a refresher course. Yeah, but we're not just repeating what we've said before. Well, that's right. (laughs) We've got plenty of new information to share, including a fascinating excerpt from a landmark lecture from uh, by Elizabeth Clare Prophet Mm -hmm. titled Studies of the Human Aura, which we're going to share with you in just a few short minutes. You know, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's a great, great lecture. Um, In the meantime, let's lay some groundwork for understanding the aura. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's go. All right. To begin with, in reality, and I want to underline in reality, and this is from the Ascended Master's perspective, man lives in a universe of light and purpose. And to veil that purpose from man was never the intention of God. God wants all of us to know who we really are and how vast our consciousness truly is. And to understand what the aura is and how it functions begins with this understanding of the true reality of man. Mm -hmm. We do indeed live in a universe of light, and it is our purpose and birthright to know to not only know this, but to interact with it directly. Yeah, and now one of the key and perhaps most important aspects of this understanding of the universe of light we inhabit and our true place in it is this. We each have divine potential. That's right. We each have a personal manifestation of God within us called the I Am Presence. Yes, and we each have a Holy Christ self as well. In other words, we each have innate divine potential that is meant to be realized, not hidden, doubted, or ignored. It seems so easy for mankind to accept the idea that the fullness of God dwelt bodily in Jesus Hmm. and Buddha, but at the same time, they find it so difficult to believe that the fullness of God also dwells in them. Well, nevertheless, this is true, no matter how difficult it may be to believe and accept. In fact, it was Jesus' mission to impart this truth to us. Christ has said, I am the light of the world, and he was speaking of the universal Christ, not merely his own reality. And if whenever you say, I am, you understand these words to mean God in me is, 
you will have taken a giant step towards understanding your own true divine mm-hmm. nature and understanding your own potential Christhood. You know, and, and what does this have to do with the aura? Well, a few moments ago, we said that we all live in a universe of light and that we have both the birthright and the ability to interact with this very real universe. You might say that living in this universe of light is really living inside the mind of God where the full reality of life truly exists. One of the most important ways we interact with life is through the aura. Through the aura, light is sent and received. The aura is a beacon, a transmission tower, a relay station for our emotions and beliefs, for all that we give to and take from life. You know, that's right. The aura is like a garment we wear. And for those sensitive enough to sense or see the aura, it might appear as a sheath of very colored light surrounding our bodies. And those colorful lights tell a very detailed story about who we are, how we feel, and what we have allowed to touch us in any way from within and without. And we are all sensitive to the aura to one degree or another. For example, have you ever met someone and gotten a very distinct feeling and impression about them before they ever said a word? Absolutely. With with some people more than others. But sometimes it's easy to sense someone's true colors without actually seeing them. It's like a knowing or a gut feeling that goes beyond what I may understand intellectually. You know, each of our thoughts and feelings has a certain vibration and a corresponding color. The higher and more pure the motive or intention, the clearer and more intense the resulting color lodged in the aura. And as, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine, dense, dark, and negative mm. feelings and expressions will be displayed in dense, dark, and negative colors. <laughs> well, probably pretty <laughs> obvious when we say it, but whatever we allow to enter our auras will be transmitted at one level or another and often shared willingly or otherwise with those around us. Sure, and when someone, as the expression goes, brings you down, (laughs) you can be sure that you've just interacted with someone's negative aura or feeling world. Yeah, and the more aware you become of your own feelings and motives, the more sensitive you will also become to the feelings and motives of others. The aura can be a great barometer of the intentions and character of others, so much that you can learn to depend upon your sensitivity to keep you away from unsavory people and situations. (laughs) Yeah, you will begin to steer clear of certain types of music, for example, because of how it impacts your consciousness and sense of peace and harmony. You will automatically avoid situations of anger, distress, and distortion. You see, all of the influences of the world, the thoughts of the world, and the feelings of humanity are easily transmitted consciously or unconsciously from person to person. Yeah, you know, as we've said, and as the Ascended Masters teach, all of our interactions with life are sensed, shared, and lodged in our auras. In other words, it is easy, it is as easy for our auras to absorb vice as it is to absorb virtue. That's right. And I'm already thinking about our upcoming question and answer segment with Sidney Bennett, specifically <laughs> about answering the question, what can we do to protect our auras from the assaults, negativity, and chaos of the world? <laughs> well, hold that thought, Terry, because I suspect that that's a question a lot of our listeners will want to hear answered. Okay. Well, now I know that. Thus far, we have called the aura a garment that we wear around our bodies, Mm -hmm. a sheath of very colored light, and a hypersensitive sending and receiving station for personal and planetary thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. But is that a complete definition of the aura? Mm. Or is there something more we should understand about it, like uh, like the actual source of the aura, for example? Well, you know, Terry, that's an excellent question. And I'm sure that Sidney Bennett can elaborate on this question in our upcoming Q&A. But I would say this. The cosmos consists of untold frequencies that our five senses simply cannot deal with, but our auras can. Mm -hmm. And why? 
because our auras are expressions and extensions of the infinite light of God. And the light of God is everywhere in time and space. Exactly. And as we've said so many times before, God has placed a portion of himself within each of us. Our I am presence and personal Christ self. Yeah. And this light is qualified by us by virtue of our free will expressed through the aura and capable of extending itself into other dimensions. So to bring this back to perhaps a more mundane level, <clears throat> we each have an aura. It is an extension of the light of God. Yeah, and the colors of the aura are directly affected by our thoughts and feelings. As well as the thoughts and feelings of those around us, and the mass consciousness in general. Yeah, and through various means, which we will discuss later, we can clean up, purify, and extend our auras in order to have a more positive impact on our lives and on the world. There's a certain amount of self-mastery involved in improving our life experience <laughs> oh, yeah. and the manifestation of our auras, but that's to be expected. Sure. You know, the aura, like any other part of our being, needs to be properly understood, cared for, nourished, and protected from negative influences. Yeah, and those things don't simply happen by themselves. <laughs> We've got to play an active role. Yeah, so how do we cleanse and master the aura? It begins with the heart. As you will hear in the following excerpt from a lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled Studies of the Human Aura. Let's play it now. The whole cleansing of the aura, the mastery of the aura, begins with the heart. Out of the heart are the issues of life. The Bible is continually talking about the heart. And if your heart is impure, if the heart is in a state of willing to do wickedness, as the hearts of men were at the time of the Atlantean flood, everything else is an energy veil. So to make the whole aura brilliant and shining demands attention to mastery to the here and now. As we have said, we begin with the etheric plane and you find then that your etheric aura becomes bright and shining and presses down and is pushing through to the <coughs> mental, to the emotional, to the physical. But ultimately, we want that physical to be luminous transparent. We want to be examples of the 100% balance of karma. We want to be examples that all of spirit can manifest and flow through us so that we are 100% light and we can merge in the ascension. That will only become a reality when you take each percent of your energy, each tenth of a percent of energy, each one-hundredth of a percent, each one-thousandth of a percent, and understand that that little erg of energy is a cell, has a fiery core, must be expanded and mastered. Step by step, action by action, service by service, you are mastering these points of your human destiny, making it your divine destiny. This is how you build the perfect image. Diligence, discipline equals deity. You have to start having that sense within you of how much light you need to keep your aura convex, to keep your aura filled, pumped up with light so that you are a fiery vortex. You are throwing off enough energy so that you don't take in the astral. You disperse it or you consume it, one of the two. If you don't, the alternative and choice is that when you allow the world to come upon you and depress your aura, depress your chakras, work against your free will, work against your divine plan, 
you start taking into your chakras and accepting the energies of the mass consciousness. It begins to totally dominate your life. Pretty soon you find yourself taking on the usual diseases of the world. Maybe you find yourself suffering from emotional or mental disturbances. You find yourself off the track of the divine plan. And everything in your life kind of goes against what you'd like to be, what you hope to be, what you dream about, but what you really haven't thrust forth as action. And so disease, decay, death, disintegration follow. And it's one more round of birth and death that Gautama Buddha talks about in his current series. And he says, sometimes, somewhere, the soul, surveying the scene, decides to take a stand and seek the escape, seek the out, not be subject to the laws of rebirth and the wheel of karma. Well, how about making that decision now? When you make the decision, part of the decision is thrusting enough energy to take your stand for your own I am name, for your own identity, and letting that identity be sealed, and not allowing astral or any other energies to encroach upon the real man. In doing this, you have to distinguish between human pride and rebellion and humility. You have to distinguish between being subservient to those whom you owe allegiance or obedience, either by vow or by reason of employment, or whatever it may be. I'm speaking from the experience of working with people in their 20s who espouse spirituality but do not have the practicality. And I'm saying to get practicality, you've got to master your aura. You've got to have it pure. And the more pure it is, the more light it can contain, the more thrust it will have the more you will be a beacon where you are. Your aura is the sum total of what you are. Yeah, no, I think that bears repeating. Yes. <laughs> Your aura is the sum, sum total, total of, of what you, you are. are. Okay, now when we return, Elizabeth Clare Prophet discusses reading the aura, including the meaning of color in the aura, its source, function, and more. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? 
Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. What is the source of the aura? What do its various colors mean? Can anyone read the aura? In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet answers these questions and more. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Tell us more about the aura. The aura is really an example of the interdependence of all life, because it is through the aura and the seven centers, or chakras, that emanations of love, feelings of joy and buoyancy flow, are received, are transmitted, and through the aura we all interact with life, we interact with distant galaxies and distant stars, and we have the capacity to give and receive energy. Now, the concrete force field of man, the physical body, is kind of a focal point on which all of this hangs. The mental body, the emotional body, and the memory all interpenetrate as four interconnecting sheaths. But these sheaths then in turn have surrounding them that blueprint, that L field and T field, the pre-existence of those energy fields, as Yale University researchers have postulated, makes us ask whether or not a supreme being created all auras in the beginning. What is the source of the aura, and does the discovery of the aura actually suggest a predestination for every living cell of life throughout the universe? Of course, this makes us grapple with all questions of theology, because we are discovering more and more of man as we discover more of the aura. And the conclusion we come to is that our Creator has placed a portion of Himself within ourself, beginning with the threefold flame in the heart. And finally, we begin to realize that the aura is actually a garment that we wear. It is a transmitting and receiving station. It is highly susceptible to the mass consciousness, to emanations from beyond our planet, and even beings who are beyond our level of consciousness. I often think of the plane in which we live as a thin line in time-space, and that there is a vast cosmos above and below this line, and the cosmos I'm speaking of consists of simply other frequencies which our five senses are not equipped to deal with. 
Considering this, then, we can realize that if the aura itself extends beyond this thin black line, then the aura can be used as an extension of the self into other dimensions. For instance, as a space probe or a time probe, or as an energy that actually enables us, while we are tied to this physical frame, to explore many planes of consciousness. Is it the aura that accounts for such things as ESP and... Well, certainly the extrasensory perceptions, perceptions beyond the five senses, and scientists tell us we have hundreds of senses, certainly must come to us through the emanation of the aura. And I think that many people realize that as our moods change, so our force field changes. We can know how we feel when we have had a good night's sleep. The aura is recharged. It is charged with prana and with the emanation of the stars and of the earth currents. And we come back and we have a certain charge of energy. We know how we feel when we are depleted. These are not merely physical conditions. These conditions are based on how much of the energy of God's consciousness we take in and retain. People notice that in meditation they increase self-awareness and increase the manifestation of the aura and of the chakras. People notice this in prayer. We notice that children can deplete the aura very quickly when they cry and have a prolonged period of crying or a tantrum or become angry because their needs are not immediately met. At the conclusion, they usually drop off to sleep. They are exhausted because they have expended the energy content of the aura. We find that the playing of certain types of music causes us to have our auras depleted, while the playing of other types of music gives us a sense of buoyancy and joy and contacting realms of light where we feel then imbued by the consciousness of angels and ascended beings. The aura is constantly then being played upon, and the reading of the aura, which Kathumi describes in his book, is a very profound science because there are so many levels and layers of the aura to be reckoned with, and truly it takes a level of adeptship which most people who claim a psychic clairvoyance actually do not have. This is why Jesus said, judge righteous judgment, because an accurate analysis of the aura cannot be made from the surface, just as a doctor cannot produce an analysis of the health of the body by simply looking at the surface. And so we may see manifestations in the aura which have to do with the type of environment the individual lives in, the pressures and tensions of life that he is under, or a certain amount of karma that he is carrying that day. But that surface reading may tell us nothing of the deep soul yearnings and of an intense manifestation of light that comes from other lifetimes and incarnations. I think it's very important to realize that the aura is constantly changing. It looks like the manifestation of a blip on a tape recording machine that is registering the levels of one's voice. The aura is a pulsating manifestation. It turns colors and actually reflects the colors of frequencies which are interpreted by the one who reads the aura as qualities of light or of darkness. What are those colors? Each color represents a certain band or frequency in the electromagnetic spectrum. Color is more than color. It is actually a vibration. 
For instance, when we love with purity, without desiring to possess, control, or manipulate loved ones, there is a pure stream of pink energy that comes forth from the heart and fills the aura. This is why we say when people are in love that life is rosy and that people see through rose-colored glasses. It is because their auras are so imbued with the pink energy and the pink spectrum that they can only behold life in that love energy and therefore they are not critical or analytical, but they are buoyed up by their own sense of the presence of God as love. When love then becomes impure because of lust, and of darkness and of carnal manipulation, and it is a misuse of that sacred energy of life, we find that the auras of people become charged with a vibration, hence a color, that is not the pure pink of that rosy-cheeked babe that represents the fullness of our concept of love, but the pink will take on perhaps a crimson color of passion, or it will take on a dark gray and black tone and quality of a death-like grip of the attempt to control individuals, whether one's children or whoever one is sharing a relationship with. Now, the aura will clearly reflect this, but because most people are not capable of reading the aura, they often are mistaken by the words, the sweet words that someone is speaking, instead of looking directly at the motive of the heart and the motive of desire within the subconscious. Because people do not read the aura, they must rely on an inner sense, almost a sixth sense. Pilate was not able to read the aura of Jesus, or he would never have turned him over to the Sanhedrin. He had to rely on the dream of his wife to determine that this was a good man, leave him alone. How impoverished we are to think that we have to rely on dreams, astrology, etc., when the aura is giving us, as though it were shouting from the housetops, every reading we need to know. What can we do then in the absence of our ability to read the aura? We can tune into the soul because the soul will always tell us the truth if we maintain contact with this center of God consciousness. The soul then knows, and the soul will tell us by giving us that immediate first impression about someone, whether that person is right or wrong, or whether that person is right or wrongly motivated. And so we have to listen to the soul speaking within us as an inner voice, and then we can often avoid mistakes in business, very costly mistakes in finance, in money situations, as well as in our love life and in our interaction with people. And it is very important to trust that first impression because subsequent to it, the individual will then become familiar and we will start to incorporate his ways, his actions, and his aura into our own and there will no longer be that sharp impact of the initial contact. So the aura is our best defense, but we need to be still, as Jesus said, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that the I am within us is the God who will direct us and care for us until we can expand our soul faculties to make full use of the aura that is our gift from God. Is there a distinction between that intuitive feeling we get about 
each other and reading the aura? Oh, there is a very great distinction, Doug. The intuitive feeling is something that acts independently of reading the aura and is a substitute for it. It's just kind of another safety valve that we have. It is something that we can have without the development of aura reading and aura probing. And it's a very necessary faculty of self-protection that is built into the human psyche. The reading of the aura demands years of study. But the very first principle which Kathumi teaches us is the purification of the faculty of vision. And this has to do with the clearing of the third eye center, the ajni at the brow, so that we can begin to see as God sees, which is God's basic desire for us. Thank you very much. And there's another line to remember, that uh, God's basic desire for us is to see as he sees. It's an amazing line. Well, please stay with us, because up next, we've got our weekly Q&A. And today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Don't go away. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Yes, indeed, we are back. And as promised, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sid. (laughs) Gentlemen. Hi, Sid. Okay, first question. Does everyone have an aura? Indeed. Yes, everyone does have an aura. (laughs) And more than that, everything has an aura. Even a rock has an aura. (laughs) Um, I don't know what it looks like, but uh, everything that is created has a certain aura or force field around it. So, yes, everyone has an aura and... um, 
it's something we can learn a lot about people through. You know, you just mentioned something. Of course, I mean, it sounds funny to say it, but I, I totally understand and agree that you know, everything has an aura. I'm thinking about the precious minerals and, and metals, you know, like gold and diamonds and platinum. They have an especially great capacity for holding and transmitting and reflecting light. Don't That's they? true. I mean, gold is, is precipitated sunlight. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, yeah. it makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, do our auras reflect our past lives as well as our present embodiment? You know, our auras are all of that and more. Um, it's an indication of where we are at any point in time and space, and it also contains the energy, of, as you suggested, of our past embodiments, things we're doing, we're thinking. Uh, it's something that we can't hide, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, it does reflect who we are. Yeah. Well, does the size of the aura vary? I mean, how far, for example, might the aura of an ascended master extend outward? Well, um, they say that uh, one ascended master, an Elohim, his uh, aura actually encompasses a galaxy. So, And Jesus' aura, uh, when he was uh, embodied on this planet, was the size of the planet or bigger than the planet. So auras can be small or they can be big. Well, for the... the, um Majority of us, what would you <laughs> estimate to be the extension of like two feet? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know exactly. I think it varies. I think probably anywhere from six to 18 inches in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and I presume they can get bigger sometimes depending on how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how, uh, let me ask you this. How can we protect ourselves from negative influences on our auras? You know, Mrs. Prophet suggested you have to keep your auras convex. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, pushing out so that the light or the darkness doesn't come in and overwhelm you. And you kind of see people, you've noticed people that just have no fire in their auras. They're kind of just, they're passive, they're withdrawn. And of course, they're suffering from that, from this, their 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 auras are, are almost... Um, concave. Concave, exactly. Yeah. And of course, what we understand from the teachings of the Masters, it's absolutely essential that we protect our aura, protect our force field. Mm-hmm. And of course, what they've taught us to do is one thing we do, and we talked about this before, is we invoke what's called the tube of light, which is a, a, a really a shield or protection of light that comes from our I am mm-hmm. presence, encompasses our physical body, goes beneath our feet. And that is a protection that surrounds us, that prevents negative energy and darkness from coming in in our aura. We also call every day to Archangel Michael for our protection and a shielding from these negative influences, because there's a lot of negative influences we know in the world. Yes. Now, you know, you mentioned the tube of light, and we recognize this as an impervious sheath. And I believe that there's a dimension that's often talked about, like it's nine feet in diameter or something like that. Right. And you, you can visualize it actually come down and surrounding your body. Like um, a cylinder. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you may, those of you old enough remember, they used to, a toothpaste that used to have a protective shield. Oh, and right, the guy, sure. guy used to knock on it. Oh, you yeah. couldn't see it. Well, it's kind of like that. It's an invisible <laughs> to our human eye, but not to uh, to God's eye. It's a force field of light that actually will protect negative energy from coming within our aura. Yeah, and I think that um, it's been said that this doesn't necessarily guarantee that negative influences won't get inside that because we have to be aware and conscious of our, you know, protection of our of our auras. Um, and I think this is, if if correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this why we don't listen to certain types of music? Um, or abide loud and obnoxious events and, well, let's tell it like it is, obnoxious people. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, as, as a person becomes more sensitive, different types of energy can cause physical pain. For mm-hmm. instance, uh, the rock beat, as we've talked about in a previous show, is very detrimental to the chakras and to the aura. Not only does it steal light from your aura, but the vibration is so inharmonious that people feel physical pain in their chakras mm-hmm. when they're listening to rock music as they get more attuned and more spiritually developed. And so, yes, we can absolutely feel that. Somebody's, and we know what it feels like when somebody's angry with us and our solar plexus and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not 
complete masters, obviously. And so these energies do get in sometimes into our force field. And when that happens, then we need to stop for a minute, take a deep breath, reestablish the force field of light around us by a call or an invocation of light, and then move on. Yeah. 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 Well, how reliable is the aura as a barometer of another's character? Well, the aura reflects who we are. And I, I think it's, it's important to understand that the aura can change from moment to moment depending on what we're feeling, whether it's love or anger or frustration or things. But there's also an intrinsic aspect of the, of the aura that perhaps does not change in the core element of who we are. And that's, I think Mrs. Prophet was talking about, we get a reading. And whether it's a, you know, we may not physically see the aura, but we get either a soul reading or a, a sense from our third eye of there's an energy there that's not good and mm-hmm. doesn't feel good. We've all had that experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, first impressions are important because they are a soul reading or a reading of the aura that tells us, you know, hey, something is not just right here. Even though we're, people may have the right words and say exactly the right thing, there's something that just doesn't add up. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a warning to us to be careful. And, and the aura is an indication of that quality and that person and those qualities. But I think she said that it was the soul that has the capacity to recognize the truth. That, that well, you first can take impression. a reading. I mean, if you could see auras, you know, uh, appropriately as an ascended master and so forth, obviously you get a reading from that. Right. But for those of us that don't see the aura physically, then we get a soul reading. But yeah. it, I think we get both. I mean, sometimes you look at a person in their aura, I mean, you can hardly even look at them. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's kind of surrounded. And, I, you know, i got to give two examples of this. I remember, I, I may have shared this before, but it's so dramatic. I was in... <laughs> the American uh, embassy in Guatemala, and there was a girl, maybe 13 or 14, sitting there. And I couldn't take my eyes off her because her aura was so pure. And I didn't, you know, I don't think people have impure auras, but this girl's was different from everybody else's. And and conversely, I was in a building in Washington, D.C., and a guy got on the elevator, and he was the manifestation of evil. You know, I could feel it in his aura. And so, you know, it's not always that dramatic. But you can get a soul reading uh, when you see people and be cautious and be aware that sometimes God is, you know, warning you in advance that something's not quite right there. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, I, I'm, you know, reminded of the, um, the the last line, I think, of the first segments recorded. Um, pro, you know, that what we played earlier on said that your aura is the sum total of who you are. Right. You know, so you're able to read that. At, at a soul level, it, it goes beyond your intellectual capacity to, to gauge it or qualify it. It simply is. You recognize it, you feel it, you see it, it you know, it's... Well, and I, I think the other thing, right too, there. is why you have to be cautious a little bit with the aura and, and rely on the soul is that, for instance, a lot of the fallen angels have a magnetism in their aura sure. because of their attainment they carried with them. Like some movie stars, there's sort of a glamour, if you will, there's an energy in their mm-hmm. auras. It's not the light of God, and but it's a reflected light that they've taken from other people. So, um, you know... We don't spend our time, you know, analyzing everybody's aura, but we need to be sensitive <laughs> to energy around us because it does affect us. Well, what what can we do to improve the color and the quality of our auras? Well, it's very simple. You become what you focus on. And if you focus on positive things, if you're a kind person, if you're a giving person, if you're a loving person, that's reflected in your aura. And, of course, we have the use of the science of the spoken word, which is a, how we qualify light that's coming from God and obviously reflected in our aura with certain qualities of God. The violet flame, for example. Mm-hmm. You may have a violet flame aura after you do violet flame for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. And and so we can definitely impact our auras. Um, you know, we're not, it's not just um, we're bystanders of this. <laughs> we control our auras by what we do and say and think. Mm-hmm. And why not choose to fill our auras with light, with protection, with the energy of God, 
not only for for our protection, but to help others. We have something to give to others. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is the relationship between the aura and the soul then? Well, of course, the, the aura is a reflection of who you are. Mm-hmm. The soul is the core essence of your identity. It's the feminine potential. Um, it's it's the soul is of course is not immortal. It must become immortal through the path of the ascension. But the aura will always reflect where you are in a state of consciousness and your past and and so mm-hmm. forth. And so it's kind of a barometer, if you will, of how the soul is doing to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, in past shows, we've talked about uh, the threefold flame and the fact that in in our reality currently, the threefold flame is a sixteenth of an inch, I think, inside the secret chamber of the heart. In reference to the aura, is there any relationship between the threefold flame and the aura? Well, again, I think we have to go back to the understanding that, you know, we're a multidimensional being. Um, we see in this very thin line of, of physical sight and physical senses. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, even without the teaching of the Senate Masters, many people say, hey, there's more to us than this. And so we understand that the threefold flame is a very much a part of our identity. And, again, that can be reflected in our aura. A larger threefold flame, we're going to have greater light in our aura. Mm-hmm. And, and so they are related because... The aura is the barometer of who we are. It's like where we are at the present time and the sum total of what we've been. So um, obviously it's affected by the threefold flame. Sure. Uh, well, uh, how do the aura and the causal body interact? Well, the aura is our immediate force field around our physical form. The causal body is are the rings of light and energy that we have so qualified and purified by good acts and good deeds that surround our I am presence. There are many different colors based on the frequency of you know, we may have a great momentum on healing, therefore we have a larger green band in our causal body uh-huh. and reflects the energies of God. Where the aura, you know, is can be related to that because the chakras can have, have colors as well. So if you consider the chakras as part of the aura, which I think they are, and you can see that they're, they're similar in many ways and yet obviously different. Well, you know, this whole topic is a rich vein. I mean, we just can yeah, go off really in so is. many different directions. Um, here's a two-part question. Um, when we pray or decree... What happens in the aura, and and when we pray or decree with others, do we create a combined aura? Well, again, you change your aura by what you do. And invoking the light of God, qualifying that pure energy um, that God has given us through the science of the spoken word, you will fill your aura with light, and that aura will take on the qualities of that energy that you are calling forth. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the law. It's the way it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, it changes your, your entire force field. When you decree or pray with others, you, you have a combined force field, if you will. It's very powerful. An example of this, if, you know, one person cheering makes a certain amount of noise. If you put 50,000 people in the stadium <laughs> and cheering, yeah. and it's more than the sum total of the 50, you know, 50,000. So right. when you, you combine with others, it has a greater power. And, of course, when you're all in unison and you're striving for the same goal, it can be very powerful. Whoa, can imagine. Uh, well, you know, we talked to, we've talked in the past about how 10 people giving a, a particular decree is the power of 100. Do you think there's something similar then with the aura? Well, absolutely. And again, they're all related because it, the aura reflects what you're doing. So, you know, we can have a decree session that we give on world conditions and so forth and come out and you feel like you're, even though you've been dealing with difficult subjects, that your your aura is full of light. Yeah. And I you're different that. than when you went in. Okay. It's a great feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, we've said that the aura can bridge time and you know, time and space. Can we experience other dimensions consciously through our auras or, or visit other dimensions? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Mrs. Prophet told us that that is, in fact, the case, that we can do many of these things. 
I want to just sound a note of caution here. Mm-hmm. The goal is not to be able to see people's auras. The goal is to become more of God. Because you have psychics or clairvoyants that see people's auras. But, you know, that's not the goal. The goal mm-hmm. is to become God and, and let God unfold that to you. Let God reveal things to you as you reach that spiritual level where you can handle it and it's appropriate. Because what happens is many psychics, and they may have very good intentions, but sort of force the issue. And so they get exposed to things that are beyond their level of attainment. Mm-hmm. And subsequently, that color is what they can say. Well, yeah, you know, and it's interesting, too, as we talk about this, that everything that we're talking about, the threefold flame, the causal body, the aura, they're all about light. Right. It's all about light. I mean, it's, this is the thing that we're really having to focus on now is that we are beings that are actually existing in dimensions greater and finer than our denser bodies. Exactly. And I think it's really important to have an understanding of the aura. But the aura is not the goal. And so we understand, as as we understand who we are, how we change our life, how the force field we live in, how it impacts others, it's crucial knowledge to have because we have to know these things in order not to be fooled. But again, the goal is not to see auras. The goal is to put on your Christhood, become more of God each day, Mm -hmm. to balance your karma, and use the tools such as the knowledge of the aura and how you can affect it and change it and purify it to help you on that path. I I know in the past, you know, Elizabeth Clare Prophet did some, she did some sketching of auras, didn't she? Mm -hmm. Like like what a particular, maybe music will affect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Is is some of this material available um, or do you know in particular? Time. Well, you know, there is actually um, th- there is something I believe is called a cymoscope. Uh, we were recently uh, told something about that where it shows what sound actually looks like and uh-huh. it shows us what prayer looks like. And uh, th- although they colorized it, they did an interesting study of vibration when people were doing a violet flame decree. Right. And what the impact of that was, it was just absolutely amazing that the frequency of the sound created a mandala and and they did this in water. I'm pretty sure that it's, it's the medium they use is kind of a pure water. Uh-huh. It was just fascinating because they were able to show how powerful the sound is, how uniform it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was just beautiful. I mean, it was breathtaking. You yeah. know, I, I think, Tom, it, we have to gain mastery over our world mm-hmm. and not become victims of either the mass consciousness or the negative energy out there. And by understanding the aura, by invoking light and protection around you, you're, you don't become subject to these things. You yeah. know, you become, you, you take command of our own destiny. Right. And that's what's key about understanding the aura, the use of the science of spoken word and the teachings of the ascended masters is we can take command of our worlds and not be subject to everyone else's negative energy or vibration or attempts to control us or anything else. And that's yeah. important to understand. Well, and if we will accept the truth of that, we know. We, we know when we're, we've encountered something negative. Yeah, we, we, feel has it. An impact. we feel it. We yeah, know it. Yeah. And if we just trust that knowing, well, we've got to take a break here, but don't go away because when we return, we'll continue our discussion of the human aura with Sidney Bennett. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. 
the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And uh, we are back for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the uh, topic of the human aura. Uh, now, before the last break, uh, we were talking about energies kind of entering into the auric force field, if you will. And um, aren't there some forces who purposely attempt to encroach upon our aura that we wouldn't want if we knew? Well, there are. And of course, you know, God respects our free will, but the fallen angels don't. And so <laughs> as a result of that, they attempt to manipulate us, um, you know, and steer us just as they have for a very, very long time. We need to be aware of this. And again, that's where the protection in your aura, the tube of light and the calls to Archangel Michael being very helpful. Yeah. But I think we have to understand that it's like as a, there's a mass consciousness that will come into our aura. We think it's us, but it really isn't. It's like a grid in a force field that takes there. So that's one thing, the mass conscious. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed that you go to a shopping center and you leave there and you feel depleted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it's like it's the mass consciousness that's mm-hmm. taking the light mm-hmm. that's in your aura if you aren't fully protected. But there's another more individual aspect of this, which we'll call aggressive mental suggestion or a projection that comes upon you. And you think it's from your own psyche and it really isn't because it's, it's an energy or a force trying to impinge on your aura. And we've mentioned in the past, but the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis oh, yeah. is a wonderful book. It's funny. But it's true because there are competing forces, so to speak, for our attention. So you have to be aware of that to keep your aura protected and not be subject to these things. And you can pretty well tell when something's from God or something isn't, and you can always <laughs> pray to be shown. But but just be aware that that energy is out there because it can very negatively impact our aura if we're not careful. Well, you know, in the break, you, you made a comment that um, – we, as light bearers, want to believe the best in everyone. Well, know? we do. And, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, wise as serpent, but gentle as doves. In yeah. other words, you know, we don't want to see uh, a conspiracy under every rock, but we have to be aware of the equation on planet Earth in this time and space. The battle of Armageddon is being waged. It's being waged for our soul and the souls of the people of God upon this planet. And so we have to be cautious and careful. I mean, we'd all much rather love and meditate and talk upon God, talk about God, but we have to be aware of these other things so that we can protect ourselves, protect our families, protect our auras from these negative influences. Yeah. And then we can be fully ready to give unto God. And so 
you know, the light bearers of this planet tend to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And in a way, that's not a bad thing. But we also have to be wise that there are forces and energies out there that would attempt to steal our light through various things, manipulate us, and so forth. So let's keep our free will that God has given us and exercise it and not be subject to these other energies. Be mindful. Yeah, Indeed. yeah. Indeed. Well, before my next question, let me ask you, what's an example of aggressive mental suggestion? Well, I mean, it can be as simple as thing as, you know, you can be sitting in a restaurant and somebody across the, the way is thinking they want apple pie, and all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking you want apple pie, too. Um, that's the mild form of it. The negative form is there's a lot of, uh, you know, you feel a lot of condemnation. Oh, you're a bad person. You're a terrible person. You're a failure. You can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. That's an aggressive mental suggestion that attempts to put you down. We we have sinned, we've all made mistakes, but we're not sinners by nature, we're God by nature. Right. And there are forces that want us to, to forget that. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the question, a lot of psychics and clairvoyants claim to be able to see and read the aura, but is there any danger in this? Well, it is. And again, these people may have the very best of intentions, but first of all, they're only seeing the very surface of the aura. Mm-hmm. They're not seeing beyond that. And secondly, um, you know, it's subject to their own human consciousness. So, you know, the Ascended Masters do not support going to psychics or trying to develop psychic ability. In fact, they say if you have a psychic ability, you should be asked to be healed of it because uh-huh. it's a detriment on the true spiritual path. Wow. So, um, <laughs> you know, be careful with that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, stick with God. Stick with God. <laughs> Trust in God, but tie up your camel. Right. Well, you know, when our auras are dark or inflicted with negative energies, can this lead to disease, you know, physical or mental? Well, absolutely. And and things cycle. They go from an etheric level down to the physical. And so, you know, if, if we're doing things that are putting negative energies in our aura or allowing mm-hmm. others to put negative things in our auras, eventually they will manifest as disease or a manifestation in the outer world, the physical world. So, again, another reason to keep our auras pure and bright and filled with light. Yeah. yeah. And I know you kind of touched on this earlier, but I, and, you know, we've talked about the size and dimension of the aura of an ascended master. But what, maybe you could expand on this, what should we expect the dimensions of the normal human aura to be? Well, again, I think it varies significantly, but I think the understanding is, is, is yes, the size is important, but more importantly is what is in the aura. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have light and you're, you're invoking light and you're using energy property, your, your aura is going to grow. Uh-huh. Um, and again, the most important thing is what's in it, not necessarily what size, because the size can be a reflection of that. Yeah, it's quality, yeah. not quantity. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's another aspect of the Ascended Master's teachings that appears to have, you know, some bearing on the aura. And that's the teaching regarding the electronic belt. Can you give us a quick summary of what the electronic belt is and what impact it may have on the aura? This is really an important understanding. We mentioned before we all have a causal body where all the good deeds we have ever done by qualifying the energy of God have raised up around our God presence. It's full of light. It's beautiful. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we've all done things that are not so good. Yeah. Well, that energy doesn't go up to our causal body. That energy sinks below the level of our, our say, our, our, our waist or uh and, and it, it, like the seat of the soul chakra, seat of the level? soul chakra, yeah. yeah. And so it's a it's a force field of energy that's like a kettle drum that's down there, and that's our electronic belt, and hmm. that's all the negative energy that we've qualified <laughs> in this and other embodiments. And there's actually animal forms in there, if you will, that have been created by negative things we might have done, and so forth. So it's a mess, and, and nobody really <laughs> wants to to go yeah. to deal with this. But the goal is then is to take that energy to repolarize it by our good acts and deeds, and by the use of the violet flame, it then ascends up to our causal body. 
And so we become more light and less of the electronic belt. But the electronic belt is a part of our aura. Mm -hmm. And we have to be honest and say, you know, we've made mistakes, but, you know, we're going to go to work. We're going to clean it up. We're going to balance that karma. And it will get smaller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the beautiful part about it. The more karma you balance, it gets smaller and smaller until eventually you are a total being of light and you don't have it anymore. I you know, I, I, lurking just below the surface of the electronic belt is our dweller, the dweller on the threshold, which is a topic for another day. But Indeed. is that, in fact, accurate to say that, that in that negative electronic belt area, that kettle drum, that's one of the places well, where the dweller well, we're resides. About, we've had shows about this path. Think of the Loch Ness man monster. It sort of dwells <laughs> okay. below the surface. Once in a while, it pokes its head up. And and when we do a show on this, which I think we're planning on, you can understand the dweller is, is, is as Paul talked about, our carnal mind. Mm -hmm. The human consciousness we've created by misqualifying energy that takes a life on of itself and becomes the sorcerer's apprentice, so to speak. And so that's also part of our aura. So we need, again, to understand these things. So we can choose to be more of God and not of this this human consciousness, which is never going to get us home, never going to get us to God, never going to get our ascension, and can never be perfected. It's got to be displaced by the Christ consciousness. And we do that by balancing karma and practicing those things and the teachings that are Christ-like. Oh, well said. Well, clearly there are some rather large concepts here, and we uh, <laughs> you know, think? interplay with the aura. The soul, the threefold flame, Christ self, causal body, electronic belt, even like Tom mentioned, the dweller on the threshold. So I think it's safe to say that an understanding of the aura is vital to understanding our spiritual path. Is there, is there any resource you could recommend to help our listeners gain a deeper understanding and appreciation of the aura? Well, there is. There's, there's a great book that some university press publishes that blends the modern principles of science with the ancient mysteries. Mm -hmm. Its title is The Human Aura, How to Activate and Energize Your Aura and Chakras by two ascended masters, Kathumi and Dual Kool. So again, that's the human aura, how to activate and energize your aura and chakras. And it has much greater depth than of, of what we've shared about today, but help you gain that mastery. Uh -huh. Well, thank you. And on that note, another hour has just blazed Blame. by. <laughs> we've got to say goodbye until next week. I want to thank you, Sidney, once again, for being here with us. As always, uh, shedding light on these subjects is uh, it's a great benefit and a gift. Thank you. Pleasure. Yes, and we want to thank all of you for joining us today out there in Radio Land, as mm -hmm. we used to say. We hope you find the subjects we share illuminating and helpful as you pursue your spiritual path. We always welcome your comments, questions, and concerns. Simply send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. Or that's webradio at tsl.org. <laughs> Sorry about that, Tom. That's okay. Please be sure to join us again. Yeah, and remember that the upper path may be difficult. The rewards are out of this world. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.